0: Block Talk Radio I'm going to a city That's set on a hill It's ruler and maker Is the Lord God above Oh, I'm going to a city And it's set on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow
1: there Going to the city. Hello everybody, God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News Radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also on the Rapture Ready Radio Network, which is the network of our sister Jackie Elnor. And we have a YouTube channel under my name, Susan Puzio. And we have a website, propheticnews.com. There's really hundreds of articles on the website that I've accumulated over the years. So there's some really great information on there for people that are interested in finding out more about the areas in the church. And most of the articles are by other ministries that have spent many years doing research on the false teachings and the false prophets, the false teachers, which in the days we're living in, really, (laughs) these people seem to be abounding everywhere. And there's such a proliferation of the false gospel out there. And so many millions of people really fall victim to another Jesus and another gospel. When you think of the multiple millions, probably hundreds of millions of people that have been deceived by the Catholic Church, and the deception is so bad that people actually believe that Jesus Christ comes down from heaven and he goes to live in a wafer, and then they eat this wafer, and that's how they receive Jesus. So, we have so much work to do. <laughs> we have so much work to do and the fact that people still believe that God needs money and they believe the the seed faith preachers which they're they're uh I would say they're probably I would say the donations are probably going down a little bit. Because even when I was watching uh, Jim Baker show the other day, and they happened to have Paula White on, and she has a new book out called Something Greater, which is really the book should be called Something Stupid because it's it's a ridiculous book. And the only reason really I think Paula White, she claims that she took nine years to to write this book and it's the story of her life, which is, it's a stupid life because even after all the things that she went through, and next week we'll do a a complete program on this book and we'll review it and some of the aftermath of uh, what's taken place this week with some of the endorsements by people that were re- uh, well respected in the Southern Baptist Convention, such as Franklin Graham and Robert Jefferson and Jack Graham, who's a pastor. I don't know what kind of a pastor he is because he doesn't mind exposing his sheep to wolves he doesn't he endorses a book by Paula White, and Paula White is a a terrible heretic because to put Jesus Christ in the light that she does to try to portray Jesus as someone who sits up in heaven and he sits on a throne and he, he waits for you to donate money to her. And then when you donate the money to her, then Jesus does things for you. He gives you healings. He gives you favor. He gives you certain things that he wouldn't ordinarily do unless you gave Paula some money. This is terrible. It's, It's totally selling out Jesus Christ and his death, the terrible sacrifice that he made, the pain that he went through for us to give us eternal life, to give us salvation, to give us to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. And then to take Jesus and portray him as a God that sits on the throne and you, and you have to give him money. Otherwise he's not happy. It's it's just disgusting. And this woman has nothing to say except I repent and there's no repentance. Uh, I haven't read the whole book. I've probably read three quarters of it. And, but from what I see, she doesn't repent of anything as far as uh, coming clean about her scams. And these scams are not working so much anymore because, for instance, Jim Baker, he says that it's getting harder and harder to raise money. Well, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So we're supposed to operate our ministries in faith, believing in God, that if God has called us to a ministry and he's called everybody to the ministry of reconciliation that some of these people say, well, if you don't give us money and then we can't preach the gospel. As long as you have a mouth, you can preach the gospel and that doesn't cost anything for you to open your mouth. So if everybody in the body of Christ even witnessed to one person a year, that would be a big plus for evangelism instead of waiting for the some of these so-called ministers and pastors to do the work that we can all be doing. And it doesn't cost anything. So, but if you can't operate your ministry without begging for money, then you better find another job because that's not faith. And so whatever is not of faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. So it's much better for ministers of the gospel to believe God to fund their work, and I personally don't take up offerings. That's up to the people that are listening if they decide they want to support the work. It's up to them. And I don't make financial appeals. I leave that up to the Lord to uh, do what he sees fit for me. Now, I'm not opposed to people taking up offerings if that's how they want to operate their ministry as long as they're honest about it, and they tell people the money is for me, it's not going to God, and we're going to use it for the ministry. we're going to pay for our church building or we're going to pay the pastor's salary. I'm not opposed to people getting a salary in the ministry. If you're working, you should be paid, and that's the way it is so but the the uh, gimmicks and the schemes and the things people do to raise funds, that's the thing that we have to be opposed to. And, and we all should take a stand. And not when anyone does that kind of thing, manipulates for money, then we have to turn them off and disregard them. I don't care what kind of miracle ministry they have or what a good Bible teacher they are. If they can't be faithful to Jesus Christ and portray him the way he should be portrayed, then we shouldn't listen to those people because they're not of us. They're preaching another gospel and they're preaching another Jesus. And so we need to take a stand and uh, quit supporting these people in any way, shape, or form, such as Paula White uh, to portray herself as th- it was so ludicrous on the Jim Baker show the other day because. Jim Baker, who here is a man that had basically what you would say in the natural, everything going for him. He was taking in, oh, $150 million a year. He had this big ministry with all the buildings, and he was riding high. And then, boom, all of a sudden, God smacked him down. Now, we remember King Nebuchadnezzar. He wouldn't obey God. God, he lost his mind. That's what happened to Jim Baker at one point. He lost his mind. That's what happened to Paula White's ex-husband, Randy White. He lost his mind. He had a nervous breakdown. Why do you think that happened? Well, it happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He was a king. But because he didn't obey God, he wound up crazy. He, He wound up on all fours like a wild animal. His hair grew long. He had long fingernails. Well, when he finally repented and he got right with God, then he came back to his right mind. Well, that didn't happen for Jim Baker because Jim Baker makes one of the most stupid statements I think I've ever heard him make was that he said to Paula White that she's the greatest female preacher that he ever heard in his life. Please stop. You, she has nothing to say to the body of Christ. She has nothing to say to anybody. She should go away until she can come back and show some fruit of repentance and stop teaching these false teachings and the false gospel. Then we don't want to hear anything she has to say. I don't care who she's advising. Jean Dixon, the famous psychic, was an advisor to President. So being an avi- a spiritual advisor to a president doesn't mean too much if you don't have clean hands and a pure heart. There's nothing much you could say to President Trump that would help him at all. Anyway, he shouldn't be taking counsel from Jezebel. It's a blind spot with him. I guess for some reason he thought maybe Paula White, when he ever uh, called her or introduced her into his life, I guess... In his mind, he thought that she was going to help him someday with the evangelicals. Well, most evangelicals are not impressed with Paula White, and you could have seen it this week, especially after Jack, Pastor Jack Graham, so-called pastor. I wouldn't want him for a pastor. And Robert Jeffers, I wouldn't want him for a pastor either because he's he's a wimp. He wouldn't take a stand and remove his endorsement of Paula White's book, even after uh, the investigative reporter Julie Royce, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but you can go to her website and it's Julie R O H Y S. Uh, she came out with a an article saying that these Franklin Graham and Greg Laurie and uh Jack Graham and uh Robert Jeffers all endorsed Paula's book. Well, the people on Twitter were going crazy. They were like what? We don't believe it. Oh, I'm telling you, I was so proud of the body of Christ that day because here these men are. They're pastoring big churches, and they've got all these people that they're supposedly teaching the gospel to, and then they endorse a book by this woman and tell people to buy it and to read it, and it was ridiculous, and then they wouldn't even recant. The only people that took the endorsements down, I guess Frank and Graham and Greg Laurie, finally took their endorsement down off of Twitter, probably because I would say mainly with Franklin Graham, probably some one of his big contributors says, well, you know, if you're going to support her, forget it. I'm cutting you off. Because he, he, he himself takes, I think, a $500,000 or a million dollars a year salary, Franklin Graham, from his Samaritan's Purse. So I'm sure he doesn't want to give up his lifestyle or whatever to endorse Paula White's book. So he took his... Uh, endorsement down. But Robert Jeffers and and Julie has a great article on that on her website where she called Robert Jeffers and he did take her call, but he said that he wasn't really familiar with Paula White's teachings. And basically what he says is he didn't really care because he doesn't have time, he's too busy with his own ministry. You're too busy with your own ministry and you're a pastor of a church. You're too busy with your own ministry that you don't care to know those who labor among you. You don't care about that. You don't care that you're recommending people to read a book by a woman who portrays Jesus as a money-hungry person that you have to buy off for blessings. You don't care about that? I was amazed. I'm very disappointed in Robert Jeffers. Uh, So uh, Anyway, the the articles there on Julie's uh, website. She did a tremendous investigative reporting on James McDonald, who was another pastor that was uh, doing terrible things, and he finally got caught anyway. And he was another one that put his ministry into millions of dollars worth of debt, just like Paul and Randy did. They had they took in over 150 million dollars. Now ask me, tell me, uh, how do you take in 150 million dollars and then you wind up basically with nothing? Your your two buildings are bulldozed, the two churches that they owned, which they didn't really own, the bank owned them because they didn't pay anything off with the $150 million. They didn't pay off their house. They didn't pay off their churches. And uh, the two buildings were in foreclosure. You're going to tell me about how God God wants to prosper me and how I could get money. And meanwhile, you blew through $150 million. And you wound up losing your, your marriage. You almost lost your family because her son wound up on crack. And the husband has a nervous breakdown and winds up on heroin and you're going to tell, you're going to try to tell me how to have a good life. You can't tell me anything because it didn't work for you. None of it, none of your scamming, none of your seed sowing, none of your collecting tithes, none of it worked. God took it and he destroyed it. Those buildings don't even stand anymore. There's no trace of uh, Paul and Randy White's ministry in Tampa or in Lakeland. The buildings are gone. They were bulldozed, and they were both in foreclosure. So they have nothing to tell me. But anyway, it it was quite a week. And uh, like I said, next week we'll go into depth about this book, but I believe the book is going to go nowhere. Uh, They've already reduced the price on Amazon and it just came out, I think on the 15th or the 16th, I think it came out and the price is already reduced. You always get a bump the first couple of days when you put out a book and people are buying it, but nobody wants this dopey book, please. It's like when you, when you come out and you say, I repent to the body of Christ, And I'm going to spend my life trying to repay all the money that I've been stealing all these years from people. And I'm a thief. Come out and tell the truth. And stop trying to hide who you are Just and and tell everybody about how you're, you're advising the president. You've got the president. You have nothing to tell him. Nothing. What are you going to tell him? You can't straighten up your own life. So, anyway... But you know, ben, getting back to Benny Hinn. Now, I mean it didn't take Benny long because <laughs> you no, know, here's another one. Okay, he comes out and he he does come against the thousand dollar seed. Okay. He says it's wrong to sow a thousand dollars. And first of all, You won't find anywhere in scripture. You will not find it if you go and you look up the word seed, because they always tell you you have to sow a seed. Well, money has no life in it. If you do the research on the word seed, you'll find out that it has nothing to do with money. Nothing. Money is not a seed. We give money to each other to bless each other, whether we get anything back or not. That's up to God if he wants to give you anything. He's only going to give you what you can handle. Because if he gives you too much, you're going to wind up either with a nervous breakdown or a heroin habit or whatever. Because most people can't handle money. It says, it says so. Jesus said so. It's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why do you think he said that? Because it's only for our own good. He's going to give you what he knows you can handle. He's not going to give you any more. I don't care how much money you give to somebody. And your motivation should be that you want to be a blessing to somebody. That should be your motivation for giving anyway, to help somebody else, whether you get helped or not. So anyway, really, Benny Hinn, he doesn't know anything about believing God for his finances. And I'm sure he's already taken a financial hit on uh, on the giving Because these people know, just like St. Peter's in Rome was built by selling miracles and selling indulgences and selling time out of purgatory, that's how they built St. Peter's. That's how the Catholic Church basically has built their wealth. Nobody's as rich as them. Nobody. When you think of it and you think about, look in your town, how many Catholic churches are in your town? In my town, and, and we only have maybe two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand 300,000 people in this county. There must be at least eight Catholic churches. And so that's how much real estate they own right here. Just think of how much real estate they own around the world. And all the gold and all the silver and all the priceless artworks and whatever else they have. So nobody's as rich as them. And that's how they built their Wealth was they started to sell miracles they sold time out of purgatory, and they still sell masses today if you if you somebody dies and uh, they're a Catholic, somebody will pay for a mass for them to uh, they pay ten dollars twenty five dollars or whatever then they pay and they'll they'll tell you that oh well, maybe they went to purgatory and you could pay. To have these masses said to get them out of purgatory, I had that happen with a family member that died years ago. I said, I'm just going to call up and call the Catholic Church and tell them that my uncle died and see what they say. So when I call them and tell them, they said, well, we can it costs ten dollars, and we can say a mass for them, and uh we can try pray for them to get their soul out of purgatory so <laughs> you know they don't have a clue that Jesus died so that you can have salvation it doesn't cost anything you can't help anybody after they're dead once they're dead that's it there's no second chance you don't get a second chance You only there's only a it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment so you only get one chance on this earth so it's up to you to make up your mind if you're going to repent now or stay in your, stay in your sinful state but People like Benny Hinn and Paula White and the rest of them, they have no faith to uh, run a ministry. And so they have to scam people because it works. It works because basically people are selfish and they want they, <laughs> they, they only want to do things if they think they can get something back. They, put, they play politics with Jesus. That's how politicians are. They're nice to certain people. And uh, and certain people, they don't care if they have anything to do with you because you can't help them politically. I've been I've been in rooms like that. I was in a room one time with uh, John Avanzini, who was who's a who at one time he was one of the biggest gospel pimps going, and he was very much in demand on the gospel circuit. And I was in a room with him with a bunch of other people, and it was at a telethon, and. I went up to him and said hello. But He didn't really even, he didn't hardly even say hello to me. He didn't really want anything to do with me because I wasn't, there was a room full of people that he deemed important, like the owner of the television station and other people. Those are the people he wanted to talk to. He didn't care about talking to me. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't too long after that that I realized that. It wasn't about, love and it wasn't about being nice to people or it was about the politics in the ministry of who you know and who you could do things for so how much uh, fundraising can you do for these certain ministries? Then you're in big demand but basically I would say those days are coming to an end. I don't think it's ever going to totally come to an end. No, I don't think that. But I think in some circles, people are starting to wake up to the fact that they don't like this kind of thing. They don't like to be preyed upon. I was listening to... Uh, I didn't uh, get the audio today, but I was listening to this... I don't know anything about this guy. His name is T.I. Felt. I don't know who he is, if he's a singer or a rapper or something. Anyway, he has like he had a million views on this video, And he was talking about how he went to Jamal Bryant's church, which Jamal Bryant took over Eddie Long's church after Eddie Long died. And he goes to the church service and he's sitting there. And then he's realizing that they're scamming the people when they're taking up the offering. Now, he's not even a safe person. And he was figuring it out. So the world knows. And we hope that, you know, the rest of the church world wakes up and finds out what's going on, but I. But if you could have seen the comments on Twitter the other day after uh, the uh, the Southern Baptist endorsed Paula White's book, it was very encouraging, I must say, because even a group of people got together and they wanted to throw these guys out of the Southern Baptist Convention, which they should be thrown out. Please, if you if you're going to pastor a church. And you can't even take a stand against the heretic. There's something wrong with you. And then to claim, like Robert Jeffers, that you you don't even know that Paula White is a heretic. <laughs> you know what rock are you hiding under? Please stop. He's too busy. He's too busy with his own ministry. Yeah. Well, you should be you should be more concerned, Jack. Graham, and Robert Jefferson should be more concerned about being a friend of Jesus Christ than being a friend of Paula White's because they want to get around Donald Trump. Trust me, Donald Trump, if you took away your endorsement of Paula White's book and you decided you didn't want to serve on the, uh, imagine putting Jezebel in charge of a spiritual advisory committee for the king of Israel. Please stop. And then, oh, they don't want to offend Paula White because maybe they wouldn't be uh, accepted on this committee that she heads. Donald Trump's not going to give up his association with the Southern Baptists for Paula White. No way. So why do you compromise? Why do you even care? What kind of possible uh, spiritual advice can you give to the president when you won't even take a stand for Jesus. It's a bad witness. It's a bad witness to the world and a bad witness to the president. It's ridiculous. Anyway, let's look at a couple of scriptures. First Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Yeah. The Bible warns us of these things. And here's a good scripture in Isaiah 28. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand, the crown of pride, The drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden under feet, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower, and as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand he eateth his up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle of the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They have swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. (laughs) I mean, just think of it. That's what it is. It's all about pride. It's like, look at me. And you know what? There was a place in in, uh, Paula White's book where she said that a prophet came up to her and said that God was going to use her beauty. What beauty beauty fades the hour of beauty fades, that means nothing, just like that chapter that I just read to you, some of those verses. it's all about pride, second Peter chapter two, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment Now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And we can read down. um, Verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Well, that's what's going to happen if these people don't repent. It also says, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings they, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart that have, has exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. (laughs) For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh through much wantonness those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Anyway, I wouldn't want to be any of these people. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to be out there and to put yourself out there for fame and for money and to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. It's just not worth it in the end. Because once you know to do right and then you don't do it, the Bible says it's much worse for you later on. And uh, there was even a comment by Paula White the other day after, I guess, these people were coming out against the book endorsements and saying that she was a heretic. Well, she said, well, they say I'm a heretic. Well, why do you think people say you're a heretic? Just because they have nothing else to do that day? Uh, because they don't like you? Uh, maybe you should listen to your critics. Maybe you should take heart and examine yourself. I would. Because there there might be a message there for you that you should listen to. Amen? <laughs> but I wanted to play. I have some audio here. And uh, because some of these uh, crazy people like uh, David E. Taylor. This is a nutty guy. This is a real cult leader. David E. Taylor. And uh, then uh, George Bloomer and Bernard E. Jordan, they all came out, basically, and made statements about uh, Benny Hinn. And uh, Benny talking about not taking the thousand dollar seed. Well they were all up in arms, of course they would be because that's the way they fund their ministries. They can't live without the thousand dollar seed or the ten thousand dollar seed or whatever side seed size seed they're going to uh decide to take. So I'm gonna play some of these audio so you can hear for yourself because they were oh They were having panic attacks over the fact that, oh, how they couldn't live without the the thousand dollar seed. That's the way the the gospel is going to go forth. And, uh, but it it was nothing but um manipulation, and it, it was nothing but manipulation and witchcraft, basically, because. Even though it's totally true, uh, that statement anyway, that Benny Hinn said, that uh, you can't take a $1,000 seed and buy a miracle. Well, that statement was true. Of course, he he didn't last too long because I'm going to play the audio a few weeks after that. He seemed to be back to his old tricks uh, at a church service in Africa, which uh, he made a statement there and they they were going to take up the offering at the end of the service. Okay, well, actually he makes this statement and I'm going to play the audio for you. Then he they cut the thing off so you can't see what happens when they take the offering up, which I would have loved to have seen uh, what happened because he was telling the people that God was going to make sure that they never had any that's, let, let me play this so you can hear it for yourself they weren't going to have any lack anymore in their life who, who can say that you can't say that to anybody this is Benny Hinn a few weeks after he, he supposedly returned. that will have lasting
2: results how many of you feel there are no knowing here I'm, I'm speaking, you, just you clear the house. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you sit in just a moment, just remain standing uh-uh, for a minute. I'm speaking here as God's servant. And a few weeks ago I made a statement that went viral about prosperity. I believe in prosperity more than you people know I believe it with all my being because it's in the Bible and the Lord is going to do something now that's going to release you from lack listen listen I know it in the spirit you will never lack again
1: Because no (laughs) lack. You will never lack again. There must have been a thousand or more people in this building, too. So that was a few weeks after Benny Hinn supposedly repented. And like I said, they were getting ready to take up the offering, which they didn't record for some reason. They happened to record that. That doesn't sound like a repentance to me. That sounds like uh, more gimmicks and more tricks. You can't tell people they're never going to lack. How do you know that? Anyway, that, that was Benny. So you could see that. he. I don't know how long he's going to last. Uh, I saw a video last night on YouTube that, of a program he did recently. And, of course, he always has to bring somebody on to talk about sowing a seed and how the Bible tells you that if you sow, you'll reap. And But our model should always be this this is our model for anything. I don't care what anybody tells you about seed sowing and they like to always say, well, give and it shall be given unto you. and They always like to quote these scriptures uh, so they can manipulate you into giving them an offering. So, But our example is always this. What did Jesus do when he had his earthly ministry? How did he conduct himself? What did he do? Did he bring up the Old Testament, did he say that? Uh, did Jesus ever stand up anywhere where he was preaching and say, now, let's bring up, let's take up a an offering here. Let's take up a sin offering. Let's take up a Passover offering. Let's take up a Day of Atonement offering. Let's take up a tabernacle offering. Did Jesus ever say that? Did he ever do that? No. Did he ever build an altar and tell people to come up and sacrifice on the altar? No. Did he ever say, don't come before me empty handed? No, he never said that. He never did that. He never did. I don't even think there is even a record of him ever taking up an offering. (laughs) I mean, why would he have to? He he. When Jesus walked the earth, he never laid down his divinity. So he, when he walked the earth, he was God on the earth. And so whatever he did, that's what we should do. He went. Now I've never done this personally myself. I never did it. I never went into a church and started overturning the tables. I never did it. So I I've, I've never been that radical. That was pretty radical, really for him to do that. But that's our example. That's how he felt about the money changers. That's how he felt. I've never personally uh, stood in a crowd of people and said, you whitewashed walls, you hypocrites, you vipers, snakes. I never did that. Uh, That was pretty radical, but that was his opinion of these uh, people that were stealing from the poor, stealing from widows, And uh, so that's our example. I don't care what Old Testament scripture they like to throw up to you or they like to tell you about. Well, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly and tell you those kind of things. Jesus, he never took up an offering that I remember. I don't remember him ever taking up offerings and telling people that I have to have this much money for my ministry. He just went about doing what he was supposed to do and he his his needs were provided for him. Of course, what did Jesus need? <laughs> anyway, so that's basically how we should be conducting ourselves: is not to be anxious. He was never anxious for anything. He didn't. Uh, have a panic attack and tell you he was going off the air or he wasn't going to be able to preach anymore if he didn't donate and he didn't do any of those things so that's the pattern that anybody in the ministry really should base their ministry on is how did Jesus conduct himself what did he tell people to do as far as giving was concerned and what did he tell people to do so he said that the greatest thing was love, was to love your neighbor as yourself. That was the greatest thing. So for us, that should be the greatest thing is God so loved the world that he gave and that is our motivation because that's how Jesus did it. So whenever these preachers try to tell you anything else, just tell them. If Jesus didn't do it, I don't want to hear from you. You have nothing to tell me. And, and that's it, because they don't have anything to tell you. They, When I listen to these people, and then I hear them quoting Old Testament scriptures, and uh, they love to stay in the Old Testament because they things were different back then. Now, I'm not saying that things in the Old Testament don't apply to us today. Of course they do. But Jesus had a better way, and he was the way, the truth and the life so that's how things should be done but anyway let's listen to uh, David E. Taylor he was having he almost was having a breakdown he was melting down over the fact that Benny Hinn made these statements and he can't live without his thousand dollar seed now here's a man that has affairs he was having an affair with the singer Vicki She came out after to confess but he's a cult leader he says that he goes Jesus appears to him face to face and talks to him well if Jesus, first of all Jesus is not leaving heaven to come appear to people, he's coming again but he he's not coming he doesn't make trips here appearing to certain people so he says he has these face to face encounters but if it doesn't line up with the word of God then it's not so but anyway let, let's listen to him
3: about how he um had mistreated uh the finances, But my theme to you is that that was a personal repentance, but that was the way it was shared. Let me say this. The way it was shared around the body and the, and the viral sensation that's going around is a notion in the body of Christ that people should give, that people, even when he mentioned the $1,000 seed and said that was wrong, and he had to rebuke uh Someone who I know is a friend, who is a friend of mine, who Dan Willis is a friend of his, and Dan Willis he rebuked, gave a thousand dollar seed for his son to be uh, delivered, and his son is in church preaching the gospel now from that thousand dollar seed. And if they're odd because of what a man says after he saw a miracle, that's bad, very bad. So. Here's the thing. I started following Pastor Benny Hinn in the early um, 90s, 1981. I was a teenager. I was 17, 18 years old. He had a phenomenal ministry. He still does. But back then, his ministry was uh, was really in the measure, in the season of America. Today, as I was told by an angel in a dream, he is done in America. His, he's finished here God has need for him overseas. That's really where his uh, seat of authority is right now. It's not in America no more. God has not given him the platform in America anymore. It is finished here. The point is, I remember following him, and I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. And What I want to address is how all of this is spinning out of control, and it's an attack. Let me tell you what it is everything is an attack on the finances in the body of Christ I'm telling you and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain a lot of this in a moment but let me give you my personal testimony of giving now first of all I'm I'm, I'm laying the foundation with Pastor Benny because a lot of you know how I've honored him I've loved him I respect him I've received impartation from his ministry a lot of you could see that um, uh, with the healing ministry but I cannot agree with everything he said. I will not agree with everything he said. Uh, I believe in his personal own conviction where he was wrong. But you don't get up and destroy a movement that God started, that laid a foundation in the body of Christ, that was a foundation for you to do crusades in America and raise hundreds of millions of dollars to reach the masses, by the way. And now it's wrong. It's not wrong. And so I want to say this. I'll never forget this. <clears throat> Let me give my personal testimony about the $1,000 seat. I'll never forget. I was 19 years old. Then we am get back to my, my journey with Pastor Benny. I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, and I wanted to be, I read the scripture in the Bible where Jesus said, these are the words of our master, not our mentor. These are the words of the master Jesus. Give, and it shall be given to you. And of course, you've heard that statement where they've said, you know, uh, you shouldn't give looking for nothing back. <clears throat> Jesus didn't teach that. He says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over what I cause men to give into your bosom. That's in red. You cannot fight that. That is from the master, not a mentor. And so, I'll never forget when I read that, I started to have a heart to give. And of course, you know, Jesus said to Paul about visitation, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And for uh, this kind of attack against what they call, in a degrading way, the prosperity gospel. I, I, don't, I don't like that term because I want to address that too. I understand gospel means good news, the good news of prosperity. But I don't like the way they use it in a degrading way because the men of God, like,
1: Yeah, he's upset that Benny was telling people not to give thousand dollar seed. And he says that that's it, that that's in the Bible the thousand dollar seed. Well, wow. Jesus never took up any thousand dollar seeds. He was never collecting seeds, money seeds, when he was walking the earth. He just walked about doing good, and he walked about preaching the gospel and he did what he was supposed to do when he was here. Uh, he walked by faith because, <laughs> of course, you know he's God. And so, but anyway, David Taylor, he's having a meltdown. So he can hardly stand it that uh, Benny Hinn was coming against the $1,000 seed. What's he going to do? Okay. Uh, here we are on Blog Talk Radio. Okay, we've been on for 10 years. We have already had 700,000 listeners on our radio program throughout these years on a very, very limited budget. So we can reach that many people by coming on to the Internet, which we don't really do that much publicity. People find us for some reason. Thank God they do. But uh, for very little. we we've been able to reach that many people. And on YouTube, we have uh, millions. We've had the one uh, video that I have up on YouTube about Benny Hinn and Paula White um, has something like over a million views. So with, and we don't pay anything to be on YouTube. Of course, uh, you have your internet connection and whatever else it takes to, uh, do what you have to do but so we've reached millions of people that way so you you, these people of course they want millions of dollars so that they can be seen on television and they can have fancy cars and uh, fancy houses and airplanes and whatever else they need uh, or they say that they need but you, you know basically You don't need all this money. If some of these people that owned uh, television stations, they could sell the airtime for very little, but they don't do it because they they want to charge a lot of money so that they can make more money. But I know a little bit about airtime. At one time, we were thinking about this was back in the 1980s. There was a television license that was for sale and there was a television tower that was for sale. And they only wanted $25,000 for it. And uh, so we were going to sell the airtime for $50 an hour. And even though we were going to sell the airtime for $50 an hour, we still would have come out with 200, over $200,000 a year at $50 an hour. So that was plenty of money to run the network. If we were going to have a network and these people charge, I think TBN was charging something like $5,000 an hour. I don't know what Daystar charges; something ridiculous. So they sell the airtime for, and they have to make more money so they can buy more stations. That's what they do. They just keep buying stations and networks and they get richer and richer and richer. And, uh, so then basically they've created most of this prostitution on television because they're greedy and they won't give people airtime at a reasonable rate. So they've created this monster that they call Christian television, which is not for the most part, Christian television anymore. So, uh, now these people tell you that they have to have all these multiple millions of dollars to, uh, Preach the gospel well uh, I would say that's rare, really that's rare is that you need that much money to do what you have to do. It boils down a lot of it to greed, and most people can't help themselves because <laughs> once they start especially once people start paying attention to you and then they like to treat. The pastor usually like he's some kind of a god and some kind of an idol, and you can't. And most people can't uh, stand that kind of thing. That's why you hear of pastors falling. And uh, instead of just being yourself, they try to be somebody they're not, and they can't keep up the image. It's just too hard, and so it, it just creates a mess. But anyway. Uh, we have a lot of problems. Let's listen to David Keller a second. Said,
3: yeah. this is my this is my personal testimony on the thousand dollar seat. I said, God, I want to be able to sow that much to you. I was a 19 year old kid. I went to sleep that night, and when I went to sleep, the Lord came to me in a dream. He says, Okay, I've heard that you want. I heard your prayer that you want to to be a giver, a million dollar giver. He says. You must first start by sowing a $1,000 seed to a pastor who did you wrong. He told me in the dream what pastor to give it to. This man had did me wrong. He says, give him a $1,000. In the dream, right there, I, this, I woke up of the dream. This is before I heard of Mike Murdoch. This is before I heard of, uh, even understood seed faith from Orr Roberts, or the message from Mike Murdoch about giving a $1,000 seed. I gave a $1,000 seed. But watch this. When I woke up by the dream, I was young. I had given up everything to do the gospel, so I didn't have $1,000. So I wake up by the dream. I said, Lord, you just gave me a dream to give a $1,000 seed, and I don't have no money. I don't have nothing. And the spirit said, I'm going to give it to you because it says he gives seed to the sower. Long story short, a woman comes to me a week later and said, God told me in a dream to sow a $1,000 seed in your life. I put that $1,000 in the ministry. I put that $1,000 in that man's ministry, in that church who had did me wrong, just like he said. When I sowed that seed, I have a, it broke the back of lack in my life. I have not. I have prospered in ministry and in life, and I've given back more of everything I own to the gospel. I saw that happen in my personal life. The Bible says this is another case in point about a thousand dollar seed because I heard Pastor Benny mention that you shouldn't ask nobody to give a thousand dollar seed is wrong. Benny Hen, that's a lie, that's that's false. God asked me to give it. He asked me to give a certain amount. And I got a miracle. Solomon, you read the book of Kings, it says he sacrificed a thousand bullocks. He gave a $1,000 seed to God, and the Bible says God came to him in a dream and said, ask me whatever you want. That statement about a $1,000 seed is false. That part of it is all wrong. It's not scripture, scriptural. A $1,000 seed, it's a significant divine seed from God. So I didn't get on here just to talk about the $1,000 seed. I came here to make a foundation, and you say, what are you talking about? I have followed Pastor Benny for many years, and I love him. But there have been times in my being mentored by him through the years, Jesus Christ has come to me face to face and told me that my mentor was wrong about certain teachings. Let me give you a case in point. In 1986, I'll never forget this. Pastor Benny had wrote a book called the anointing. He wrote Good Morning, Holy Spirit, which blessed my life. He wrote another book called The Anointing, which is still a fabulous book, by the way. Basically, he also talked about in that book The Anointing, the, the leper's anointing, the priestly anointing, and the kingly anointing. Well, well, in his book, he said the kingly anointing is the most powerful anointing of them all. It's the most powerful anointing of them all. He said, these words in this book. So I went around preaching this. I went around preaching that the kingly anointing was the most powerful anointing of them all. That's what I did. Because my mentor taught it, I thought it was right. And this is why I want to come up with the subject the master above the mentor. Are you going to listen to the master or the mentor? There are seasons when your mentor will be wrong. You've got to listen to the master. Listen to me. I went around preaching that, that the of anointing was the most highest anointing of them all because he says that in his book. That night when I go to sleep, Jesus takes my spirit out of my body and I am in the third heavens immediately. I go to sleep and my spirit comes out of my body And I'm traveling, and immediately I'm in heaven with Jesus. He has on the most beautiful white robe face to face. The most beautiful white robe is on. He's shining. His face is shining. And he said, I brought you here to tell you that what you've been teaching is wrong. He said, you were teaching this because you heard your mentor say these words. You heard your mentor tell you
1: that the king anointing is the... Oh, dear. Now, first of all, he tells you that he gets pulled out of his body and he goes to the third heaven and he sees Jesus face to face. And Jesus tells him something that contradicts scripture. Yeah, Jesus is going to tell him that it it contradicts scripture. I don't think so. Then he tells you that uh, was it Solomon gave a thousand bullocks sacrificed? <laughs> we don't sacrifice animals anymore. So that was Old Testament where they had to uh, sacrifice on an altar. We don't do that. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins, and uh, we don't do that anymore. So he's there's something wrong with this guy. He's got these delusions of grand grandeur. Uh, because he's uh, he says that he has these face-to-face encounters with Jesus. Well, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it doesn't happen. I don't know what Jesus is visiting you, but it's not the Jesus that we know. Here's another
3: audio from David E. Taylor.
1: This is what the Lord said to me. He said,
3: Satan's plan is to attack the finances because if he attacked the finances, He can slow down the kingdom progression. Satan is trying to stop the kingdom of God through the finances. Let me tell you something. The government in America, certain ones, not everyone, thank God for Donald Trump in that area. I'm not saying he's right about everything, but one thing he has done is stood up for the church. But there are a lot of people in Congress that want to tax the $7 billion the church gets annually. Every, the reports they get is that $7 billion come in from the whole church worldwide. I'm talking about the Protestant church. They want to tax that money. That they're trying to find a way to do that. And that's, you all know that's wrong because God has given us a blessing here in America to spread the gospel. And that's America's way of contributing back to God. But let me go back to Or Roberts. He started the foundation of seed faith, which he got it from the scriptures Give and it shall be given to you. God gives seed to the sword. If you sow s- small, you will get small. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. The Bible is clear that when you give big offerings, God gives you big blessings. I'm not ashamed. I don't just tell people to give $1,000. There's one lady, I said, God said give 100000 She had 200000 in her account, and I said give 100000 Who does that? But if you don't have power to release finances... You, you're gonna be like saying stuff like Pastor Benny just said, that uh how I know God's gonna give them any money back if they sow. The reason how we know is because the word says it. Given it will be given to you. So bountifully, and you'll be given bountifully too. It's the word of God. And I'm I'm gonna say this. That was out of line. That was not of God. I told a lady to give a hundred thousand, she had two hundred thousand, I said. These words, who are I said, and by the end of the year you're gonna get five million, and she got five million, and she's not the only one. We see prosperity miracles like this all the time, all the time. And you say, well, what are you saying? I, what I'm trying to say to you, is that God said give. David Taylor did said, Kenneth Copeland, Dad Hagen, uh, or Robertson would still see faith. This message they preached was from the Word, and one time Benny Hinn preached it. This was from the Word of God. It's an established doctrine in the Word that God commands us to give. As you know, also, there's an all-out attack, and now they're on tithing. You you see, pastors are changing their message about tithing. This is not of God. Tithing is a type of giving that God commanded us to give in which I don't want to get into that right now, but I want to say what we're talking about. I want to say this because i got to give you the message that I was visited in this church about since I've been fasting and praying and seeking God in here. God gave me a word, and this is what he basically said to me. He says, David, in the, in the early days when there was a move of God among the Pentecostals or whatever, they were poor. They didn't have enough money to do my will. I introduced sea Faith through Or Roberts and others to lay that foundation. If you notice, the past 40 to 50 years when that started, that movement started, we have been funded gloriously to go around the world and to do big crusades and to do major things, to do major things. And he said this to me, this attack on the body of Christ is from the devil. And he said, notice, a few months before Pastor Benny did this,
1: yeah, yeah God, God told him that he instituted C-Faith through Oral Roberts to fund the gospel. Oh, really? Well, remember, I've said this before. Oral Roberts was a scam artist, and he built a university, of course, in Tulsa, Oral Roberts University. And he was taking in millions, millions upon millions of dollars. And, of course, they charge admission to go to this university. And they also had a television network, Golden Eagle Broadcasting, um, which now is still run, I think it's still owned by Oral Roberts University, or it's owned by the Green family, I think, because they kicked Richard out of there. But now here's Oral Roberts. He spends his whole life building this ministry on seed faith and then when he decides he's going to retire he puts his son richard in place there and richard was always begging for money oh they were always begging for money every time they were on television they were taking up seed faith offerings and telling you how well you sow seeds and given it shall be given and then the more you give the more you're going to get and what happened to richard now what happened to richard richard wound up putting the university $50 million in debt, $50 million. It was in debt and they couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't pay their bills. And uh, there was all kinds of scandals going on over there. And so they had this, they had to basically sell the university. And so the Green family, they own Hobby Lobby. And anyway, the Green family took it over. They bought it, and they paid off the debt. And supposedly, they're billionaires. And what happened to Richard Lindsay? There was a compound there on Oral Roberts' campus where they had houses. I, I think they had nine houses or something there. And and uh, the Roberts family lived there. And, and uh, I don't know who else lived there. But anyway, they kicked Richard out. They... <laughs> Here's the the son of the namesake of the university, the founder of the place. They kicked him out. They they told him he had to get off the property. So uh, they wound up losing everything. Everything he built on sinking sand, and that's what it was, because we built it on the lie of seed faith. He didn't. It didn't work for him. It didn't work for him. They wound up losing their university. Richard is totally humiliated and kicked off the property and he can't even go back there and so and uh, now the Green family has it they don't do much better either because they've got this Golden Eagle Broadcasting GEB network and they they, they take their people all day long on there so it, it's not much better than when Oral and Richard were running the place but teaching the, the uh, students there at ORU oh, this ridiculous doctrine instead of teaching them to love people and to do things out of a heart of love. They teach these young people how to do things out of selfishness. So anyway, it didn't work for them. So I don't, I don't care what David E. Taylor says, Jesus never appeared to him and told him that he gave all Roberts this teaching, because if this teaching worked, then they would have uh, been so rich they wouldn't have known what to do with all their money. They wouldn't have been $50 million in debt, which most of these ministries uh, wind up in debt. They, uh, if you notice that, most of these big ministries, they either wind up drunkards, drug addicts, addicted to sex. They wind up in homosexuality. They go crazy because they're scamming people. And if they have any conscience at all, which some of them don't have any conscience, conscience and just been turned over to a reprobate mind it bothers them it must bother them a little bit so then they have to turn to drink they have to turn to drugs they have to turn to m- women men whatever and uh, so it's it's not a happy ending it's not a happy ending it's not it's never going to be a happy ending for anybody if you don't conduct yourself with integrity and you don't conduct yourself with honesty it just won't um be a happy ending. So let me <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't end well. It's just it's just better to be content with what you have and uh try not to be anxious for anything and to trust God. It's much better to learn how to trust God to meet your needs than to uh, put your faith and trust in human beings. Jesus said it himself. The the Bible says that cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. So it's just much better to learn how to trust God uh, for what we need, because then you won't wind up, you won't wind up a pimp preacher. You won't wind up selling your soul to the devil. Uh, you won't wind up selling yourself out for politics and uh, you'll be a much happier person but anyway let's i want i want to play um these audios from now george bloomer george bloomer he's an infamous false teacher terrible terrible person he was at one point uh wiping his sweaty head with handkerchiefs and then he was telling people to come up and sow a seed And they could have one of these handkerchiefs with his sweat on it. And it was supposed to be anointed. I was like, yeah, please stop. But anyway, he's a crazy person. And he's on this uh, program on the internet. And they're talking about Benny Hinn. Oh, they're all upset. And remember, we played, we talked about this pastor, Dan Willis, that uh, supposedly he sows a $1000 seed and his son gets delivered from drugs and so here here's what uh, uh George Bloomer has to say about that
2: And the blessings
1: of God are not
2: for sale and miracles are not for sale things of that nature Um The blessings of God are not for sale, and miracles are not for sale, and prosperity is not for sale. I'm not saying that the prosperity and the blessings of God are not things of that nature
3: first I want to say is that Benny Hinn is a friend of mine's and um we're not in conflict and we're not fighting each other all.
2: and the blessings of God are not for sale The blessings of God are not for sale, and miracles are not for sale, and prosperity is not for sale.
3: I'm not saying that the prosperity gospel is all correct. I'm also not saying that the prosperity gospel is all wrong. What I'm saying is that there are bad people everywhere bad police officers. Bad sheriffs, bad judges, bad preachers, bad Christians. Heck, they're bad dressers. Some people just can't dress. (laughs) Bad, but it doesn't mean that everything is off because of it. Dan Willis.
0: To a city that's set on a hill, its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city it lies four square, the gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus there. I'm going on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow there be in heaven, and there'll be no sorrow there, and someday I'll be in heaven, and there'll be no sorrow there.